You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast from MLB.com, alongside Greg McMichael, the Director of Alumni Relations for the Atlanta Braves. We are coming to you from the Braves Alumni Lounge at SunTrust Park, and this is where we always want to be, and SunTrust Park is where you should want to be every weekend this summer. Friday games are red outs followed by Friday night fireworks. Saturdays feature early gate openings so fans can watch batting practice, and a different player takes over the batting practice music playlist each week. You've probably seen that on Twitter. That's been kind of a fun thing, seeing what each player chooses. Charlie Culberson, I think, went from like <laughs> – I can't remember what, what were the rappers he went from, but it was like – let's just say it was like – no, yeah, it was like country because, you know, Darius Rucker is one of his walk-up songs. Yeah. But I think in his playlist he went from like T.I. into Hall of Notes. Like it was quite the eclectic <laughs> playlist. So that's every Saturday. That's you want to cool. be out here every Saturday for that. And Sundays are family days with free games and Hope and Will of Sandlot. And kids run the bases after the game. That's always fun to watch the, the kids, the players' kids, fans' kids. Everybody's out there running the bases together on Sundays. What it's would, fun. What would be your walk-up? Oh, it would be uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica. Oh, wow. That's, that okay. would be the one. Yeah, I, I, that's there's no question. If, you, if, I, if I was in a bad slump or something and I felt like I needed to change it up, yeah, uh, I think I would go to my country roots a little bit. Oddly enough, I don't know why this, this country song literally does get me pumped up. I don't know why. Uh, Clyde by Waylon Jennings. Oh, it's nice. just a, it's just a rock. It's a, as the kids say nowadays, it's a banger, Greg. I think that's what they say. Oh, so, really? Yeah, okay. It, it's a banger. I so. think I'd have to pull out some Van Halen, maybe the beginning of Jamie's crying is pretty good. Oh uh, yeah. Nice. Pretty good intro. Did they have, well, all right. So when you were closing, yeah. did that, that close their specific closers entrance and stuff that no, hadn't started yet. You know, I think that started with, um, it, Wollers didn't have anything. I think that started with kind of. Smoltzy, Rocker, uh, I think Rocker was one, and then after him was Smoltz. Yeah. So I think that kind of started with Rocker. Um, I don't know if it was Twisted Sister. Or we I want to rock. I want to rock. Yeah. And then, but yeah, I, I think it's because Fulton County Stadium, the sound system wasn't very good. So I think <laughs> they may have had something on, but we couldn't hear it. <laughs> right. Well, that to me is one of the cool things nowadays as a fan. I loved maybe the loudest I ever heard Turner Field in a non postseason atmosphere was when Smoltz was closing mm-hmm. and he would come out to Thunderstruck. Yeah. It was so loud and the fans were so pumped up. I love that that the whole closer entrance thing now, yeah. which is perfect that we're talking about that because we've got the Braves closer on today's episode of Behind the Braves, mm-hmm. Luke Jackson, who we just had a great time sitting down and getting to know Luke a little bit. That yeah, was a lot of fun. We should have asked him his – we don't even know what his – I know. I'm sitting is. here going, we didn't ask. Some, yeah. Well, he may not be established as the closer yet, even though he's been closing, so I don't know if he's actually – he didn't seem like that that would be something that he would uh, – he would call them about. I know some guys like I mean Kimbrel was welcome to the jungle, right? Right. And, you know, and I don't know how long that took before somebody either gave that to him or he asked for it. But uh, maybe Luke's not there yet to fill 
bold enough to say, hey, you need to have my walk-ups on, or my uh, my intro. Well, I'm putting it out there. He has my official endorsement for oh, him yeah, to have yeah. his entrance. If he yeah, closes want- the game tonight, I want I want the lights to go down, and I want whatever his song, whatever his choice is. I want yeah. it, I want it blaring. Well, let's fi- let's figure out what that is, and if not, we'll we'll ask him and get him to do it. Okay, we'll, we'll do it for him. All right. Well, that's what we'll do then. Yeah. that's what we'll do. This was one I was really when I found out that uh, we were going to have Luke on the show. I was really excited. Not only to get to know Luke a little bit, but I just thought it was going to be really cool to see two closers, two relief pitchers, however you best want to describe your, yourselves, talking to each other and comparing notes, kind of going back and forth. It was it was a real treat. And especially the other thing I really wanted to hear from Luke, and I think you're going to enjoy hearing about, is the trials and tribulations mm-hmm. of trying to establish yourself in the big leagues. It's one thing to you know get the call up, make your debut – have a cup of coffee, whatever. But that whole thing of going up and down, up and down for years at a time, going being DFA'd repeatedly, as you're going to hear Luke talk about, to hear him talk about that whole journey to where it's led him now to where this year he's having a breakout season, I think. And it's been great to see. He's closing ball games and doing quite a good job at it. That is truly one of the more difficult things to do as an athlete because we're trained to get into patterns. You know, we've talked about patterns on the show. We've talked about – I think we talked about it with Chase Elliott in our last podcast. But you think about you you train to do something very difficult, whether it's hitting a baseball, throwing a baseball, hitting a golf ball, shooting baskets, you know, jump shots. Those things come with great repetition, and there's a, there's a groove that you get into. There's a rhythm that you get into. And one of the most difficult things to do, I think, is either being a guy like Charlie Culberson comes off the bench, mm-hmm. um, uh, a guy like um, uh, Johan Camargo, uh, the relief pitchers. I think it's extremely difficult when you don't know when you're going to play and there's no rhythm to it. You're just called to go into a very difficult situation, warm up, at just you all of a sudden you got to flip the switch. Now you can mentally prepare as much as you want, but physically you are literally flipping the switch to go from playing. But when you start a game, you can prepare. You know what it's like to get your first at bat, your second at bat, your third at bat. You kind of know when that's coming up. But all of a sudden, just to, all of a sudden, you get a phone call and that adrenaline shoots through the roof. You got to warm up real quick. You got to prepare for who's coming up. You got to know what's going on in the game. And then you physically have to be prepared to go out there and to be your very, very best at the drop of a hat. That is very difficult. Then you add in some of the stuff that goes on with that, um, that Luke was talking about, where you might get sent down after the game. You know, you, you might, um, you, you know, they, all of a sudden the staff needs an extra pitcher. You may be the guy that has to go down for 10 days or 15 days and you come up and then you get DFA'd and then you get – so there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes on that makes it even more difficult than having to not knowing when you're going to pitch. So I have great admiration for the, those guys just because, I, I mean, I did live it. But also, I just see, I never was a pinch hitter, but I, I know that that's a very similar role where you're asked to come in in a tough situation late in the game to try to score, hit, get a run in, bunt a guy over, hit and run, hit a home run. And you're asked to, to do that to help the team win. And that is very difficult psychologically, physically, to be sitting there um, – so I have a lot of respect for those guys. There's not many that I have ever known that have done it really, really well. 
I mean, Charlie Culberson's doing it as good as I've ever seen. Right, he sure is. And then, um, and and Luke, Luke is doing a great job at it. And he's relatively young because he's not, you know, he's not had a full season. He's been up and down, up and down for the last three or four years with Texas, with us, and then now he's established himself to be here, and he's in a role where they're call on, calling on him to pitch every day. So that that is a better rhythm than he's been in because he's always worried about his job. Um, and now he's getting some, getting some, uh, you know, some consistent, you know, calls out there to go out there and pitch. And I, I think he's he's taking season the opportunity and making the most of it. It seems that way, and it seems like whether you were ready to label him the official closer or not, we at least know that he's pitching in mm-hmm. late game situations, probably high leverage situations. And seems to be thriving in that role, and his confidence, as you reference in the interview with him, seems to be growing with each appearance. And it's been, it's been really from the fan perspective, it's been awesome to see somebody like that who's fought to establish himself. It's finally coming together for him. So we had a great time with Luke Jackson. We think you're going to enjoy him too. So without further ado, here he is, Braves reliever Luke Jackson. Well, hey, Luke. Uh, welcome to the uh, to the Alumni Lounge. You ever been in here before? I have not. I was just telling him this is the first time I've seen this part of the stadium. I would imagine. I remember when I played, I didn't. I would have known where <laughs> half the places were either. But you know, this is right behind on plate, so you've seen a different perspective. But this is a little area that we created for the alumni, and um, of course, you're an official alumni now. Anybody that's played a day in the big leagues is considered a Braves alumni. So from here on out, um, you'll always be considered a Braves alumni. So. Excited about that. Wanted to congratulate you on good season so far. Pitching well. You feel good? Appreciate that. Yeah, I feel great. Just going to keep it rolling. Braves are playing some good baseball right now. They are. They are. Well, the you have helped settle the ship out there in the bullpen. That's always a good thing. Uh, being the starters, they always get, you know, they're, they've got a little bit different psyche than, than the relievers do. And, and you know, the team, um, for whatever reason – you're, we're like linemen in football. We only we only get noticed when we screw up, right? So, uh, but when you're doing a good job, nobody's saying anything. So that's that's a good sign. You guys have definitely quieted that down, and and you've been you've been a big part of that. Hundred percent. I mean, uh, the starters have been putting up unbelievable starts this past. You know, I think three weeks have just been incredible. Probably would assume we lead baseball. I haven't seen the numbers on it, but just per innings, they're just out there dominating day in and day out and uh that makes it a lot easier on the bullpen you know starters are getting deep we only have to cover so many innings especially uh at home when you're covering a lot because you're playing nine anyways playing great baseball here which has been our been our downfall lately of the past two years but we actually took it great home series and took it on the road with us had a good, good road series yeah well there's been a big change between you this year and you over the last couple years um, for me, as a former pitcher, just watching you, you know, I, I you couldn't I, – I don't even have to know your numbers, but just watching you go out there and pitch, I just see a difference. And I just look to two things, confidence and aggressiveness. And I just see you – you may have been aggressive before, but when I mean aggressiveness, I'm saying aggressiveness in the zone. So you're attacking the zone. Your, um, your, your confidence looks like it. It should be high. It looks like it is. So – Tell us a little bit about what you know. What's what's been the change and how you how you approach in each game right now? Yeah, since day one, since actually 
Yeah, probably since day one. I came out and had a rough one in Philly. It wasn't very good. Give a grand slam on opening day. I think everyone looks forward to that as a child. <laughs> so that was check that off the list. And then uh, Brian B. Mac came up to me. He was like, "Hey, listen, throw your slider in the strike zone. Just do it. Throw your curveball in the strike zone. Throw your slider in the strike zone. If they hit it in the zone, if you don't fall behind with it and have to throw it behind in the count for a strike where you barely have any aggressiveness to it, just throw it in the zone." I said, "All right, you know, I mean." I tried to throw it in the zone a lot, truthfully, before that, but sometimes I just couldn't get it there. But him just telling me, like, hey, throw it in the zone. Get it there. And I was like, all right. Let's try to get ahead of some hitters these days. And, I mean, stuff was great the first day. I actually was in the zone attacking guys, but I was still falling behind with my off speed. Those guys just sat fastball because they knew if the only thing that was going to be a strike at the time was going to be a fastball. And if you're a lefty, I can maybe throw in a curveball or something. But slider was always, like, a good pitch, but it was just strike the ball. I got a lot of strikeouts with it with two strikes, but I just couldn't get to two strikes too often. And he was just throwing for strikes. And next couple outings, I was throwing a lot of them just to try to play with the shape, play with how often I can get it in the zone. And I was like, wow, I can actually throw this in the strike zone a lot more than I thought I could. Just kind of repetition and keep going about it, keep seeing the shape on a, you know, on each pitch. And over the course of, you know, two months a month and a half wherever how far we're in kind of lost track of the day I don't even know what day it is but you just kind of see like okay now I can backdoor one one slider to a guy and get to two strikes where they're not really thinking it or back foot it to a lefty or dropping a one one curveball that a guy wouldn't expect or something like that just kind of having this confidence in this field that oh, I, at this point in this count I can throw an off-speed pitch for a strike I think that's kind of where that slider man thing came from is because I had more confidence at one point of, okay, yeah, I can dot a slider down in the way than rather throw a heater just anywhere at the top of the zone. I just It was one of those things. And I just had a rough one the other day in San Fran. They sat on my slider and beat it into the ground. And baseball happens sometimes. And the next day I came out there and faced them again. I was like, well, now you got to make adjustments. Now two months out, the book's out. You throw a lot of off speed. You get to sit there and just keep hitting in the ground. Hopefully we get hits off of it. So I was like, all right. I'm going to throw a lot of heaters. And that next day I went out there through two innings. I think I threw 70% fastballs. Caught a lot of them off guard. They didn't know. They didn't expect it. And now it becomes a game of just what pitches in the right counts and what makes you know what makes the thing work. Yeah, that's great. Uh, nothing wrong with pitching backward. Exactly. But then you have the stuff to be able to put pitch the other way. Mm -hmm. So you've got a lot of opportunity to, to mix it up. I wasn't so blessed to be able to do that. I had to continue it. So I would take stuff off my – off-speed pitches, which can be good too as well. 100%. I mean, yeah, it just gives you confidence in knowing that you can win, even if it's not there that night, you can win a couple different ways. And you might have to do that when you don't feel like you got your good fastball or like they, that. They say as a – I mean, I always heard it as a starter coming up to the minor leagues. It said like, say you got 30 starts in a year, maybe three of them you have everything going that day. You know, that leaves 27 other outings. And then maybe 10 of those outings, you have two of them. Maybe 10 of them is you have not, nothing. That's one of the days you got to find out who, what kind of pitcher you are. That separates, you know, the two ERA from a five ERA. It's kind of that gap of 10 starts and how guys pitch and, you know, getting confidence on just having the ability, okay, I can't throw it for a strike. gives you a lot more confidence knowing maybe it's going to be a strike. Or I'm not sure, but kind of going out there with the aggressiveness and late innings as adrenaline and stuff like that, you can just go out there and be like, Let's go. It's me versus you. You know, game on. Yeah, it's exciting. 
Very exciting. Well, the day that Brian McCann resigned to come come back home to the Braves, we interviewed him that day right before the press conference, and I remember thinking, I was so struck by the thing he seemed most excited about about being home was working with the pitchers here, with working with all you guys, and it sounds like from from day one he came in and that relationship was was there. How has that relationship been with with BMAC from him returning? <laughs> Everyone was telling us before, so we were at Fan Fest. Everyone's like, "Hey." Uh, Wait, do you mean B-Mac? He's awesome. He's like, it almost sounds like he's fake. And we're all like, all right. <laughs> Guy, I mean, I'm not I'm not like a big-time established dude, so I really don't, I'm not going to really talk to him. A lot of the guys, like, you know, kind of have you always have that persona about it for some reason, being in the clubhouse. And I was like, all right, we'll, uh, we'll see. He comes in. He's got, like, I guess they're playing golf down in uh, Florida. Comes in, like, Hawaiian shirt and <laughs> sandals on and, just like a life of the party looked like Santa Claus and I was like dude he is like more energetic and having a blast and just got to know every one of our names the first second he met us like got talking to us about pitching right away and first day in spring training I'm sitting in watching video after an outing or something he comes in he goes we need to play Fortnite me and my kids play Fortnite me and you need to hop on together and play Built some te- like built some chemistry. And I was like, <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> That's great. And I don't think you've ever met a person in this clubhouse or a clubhouse to play with him that doesn't like him because he's, you know, he's a one of one. He's a gem on the airplanes and the flights and the clubhouse and the field and anything he says is just hilarious and it just comes off as I don't know. But he's also a gamer. You know, what I mean, he wants to win. You could tell day in day out. Never gets his work done. I mean. He keep telling me, he keep telling me he's too old every day. He's like, I'm too old for this, and I'm like, No, you're not. You you got a lot more time left because we yeah. need you. And he was, and he's, uh, he's getting after it, man. He might spend some time at the training table, but he's yeah. helping the team win at all he can. So I had a, a a catcher back in the day where um, he was one of those guys that he wasn't like B Mac, where it's kind of life at the party, and but he just he knew pitching, and he wouldn't want you to shake him off. <laughs> and so I remember as a rookie. Um, his name was Charlie O'Brien, and he caught like four or five Hall of Famers. And and so he he put down a pitch, and I shook him off. And he put it down again, he kind of gives me this <laughs> like that, and I shake him off again. And so he just goes – and he he wouldn't put a sign down. He goes, just throw whatever you want. I'll catch it. And so he, he was so mad at me. I never did that again. But, I mean, he just was – he knew I couldn't hurt him. I mean, yeah. because I threw change-ups. But – but have you had any of those situations with BMAC where you just felt like that, no, I think I really want to pick – you know, because ultimately it's up to you. Agreed, 100%. And, 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 I mean, at every point, most of the time when you always second-guess yourself, it's more you not having the confidence to know the pitch. Mm. You know what I mean? Sometimes, like, I'll go up to the mound and have a pitch, like, in my mind that I want to throw. But if you put something down, you're like, okay, he sees a swing. He saw a swing. You know, he could – he probably knows that's right pitch, you know. And I think – at any time, at any part of your career, there's going to be a time where the other day, you know, I mean, I've shooken and I've given up hit and I've shooken and I've struck a guy out. Like the other day, we were in San Fran. He wanted a curveball. I said, no, I want a heater away. Throw first pitch heater away, base hit. And I'm like, ah, I feel like an idiot. Like, <laughs> be mad. Just tell me. Like, just give it to me. Like, touch your chest. Say, like, this is the one. And That's I was right. like, and I mean, there's always times like where you're going to be like super upset about pitches you throw. And I mean, it comes down to him putting down a sign, you having like an idea, if Flo puts down something or BMAC puts down something and I have a pitch made up in my mind and they put down something different and then you don't 
switch your complete just focus and conviction on that pitch they put down instead of still having it on yours. So the whole time you're going through your lineup, you wanted to throw a fastball. They put down curveball. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, should I throw this? Should I throw this? Should I throw this? And then double in the gap. And yeah. you're like, what am I doing? Those are the times you got to sit yeah. there and be like, all right. If he puts down curveball here, maybe step off or maybe even think, like, okay, why does he want curveball? All right. Took a bad swing at a slider. He's been cheating. He fastballs. All right. I like curveball. Let's go. Convicted. Boom. That's Make right. a pitch. Yeah. Confidence in the wrong pitch, pitch yeah, is better than – you know, uh-huh. unsure about the best pitch. Everyone will tell you that. <laughs> Confidence in the worst pitch on earth is going to be better than unconfidence in the best That's pitch. Right. That's right. Well, I wanted to know, I, I've. it's always great for me just to, from a fan perspective when you see somebody who gets, it's always so easy as a fan to just see, oh, such and such was sent down or such and such is being called up. And you don't really think about, I think generally speaking for fans, you don't think about the human being there that and all oh, that goes along with that and everything. I mean, that's. That's not easy. I mean, you people think people think about well, they're in the big leagues. It's this glamorous lifestyle. It's like, well, for somebody being sent down and up and coming back up and trying to make or trying to establish yourself, that's really really tough. I mean, how do you stay? It's been great for me to watch you this year. It seems like you've you know you've established yourself and you've stabilized the bullpen, as Greg said. But the couple years leading up to that, I mean, how do you stay mentally tough? How do you get through all that of of trying to make it and trying to establish yourself? Good support system. You know, I have some unbelievable friends and family and players. I mean, if the team was in AAA that I kept getting option town to or DFA was just a bunch of just, you know, guys that are salty and didn't want to be there. But they all want to have fun and play baseball. So, like, it was getting DFA'd. No, nobody wanted me. Go through waivers, get cleared. Sitting there to call my dad being like, hey, do I do I accept the assignment back to AAA or do I go try somewhere else? And he goes... I mean, they've been good to you, you know, and you like pitching in Gwinnett. It's close by. You can live there. And I was like, all right, true. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I went back down there and loved the team I was playing with. Had some great guys and pitched and got called up again and said, hey, uh, the first time I wasn't pitching great. It was cold. I remember that. Second time, like, I just kind of, like, I didn't know what I was doing. Second time I come up, threw, was throwing the ball pretty well. Got DFA, and I was like, dang, maybe I'll get claimed this time. I was throwing the ball pretty well. Because I've always had velocity, so I thought people would always, like, maybe. It doesn't work like that anymore. <laughs> it's 2019. Everyone throws 95, you know. It's kind of like what it is. So uh, I was like, maybe someone this time. Mage is like, yeah, yeah, I think we got someone this time. I think he was just, like, lying to me to make me feel good that day. And I was like, good for him. He, 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 got me, he got me right. So then cleared again. Nobody wanted me. And I was – my dad's like, maybe this time you think about – trying somewhere else maybe like you know a different team and i was like i mean anthopolis at the time was being like real honest telling me exactly how they felt he's like hey listen you throw the ball well we didn't want to dfa you here it's just low man on totem pole and i was like listen i get it i've been in this since 2014 i've been in the dfa guy kind of always through my career and i was like all right i'll give it another shot and i come up i Pitching triple I've actually pitched great triple I felt great about my stuff. Slider was finally coming along. Reed Cornelius, who was a triple pitching coach last year, kind of was the one who showed me it. So he was the one refining it with me. He's like, hey, you're getting called up. And it, it was like a day game at home. We're in Indianapolis. I'm like, how do I get there? Like, it's 9 o'clock. He's like, well, you got a flight at 10.15. So get on the flight at 10.15. I show up at the game on the seventh inning. My bullpen guy. I run it like. Leave my phone in the cab, <laughs> run and put my uniform on, get out in the bullpen, game ends, 
literally like 18 minutes later, come back in, DFA'd. Didn't even oh. – I saw like 12 pitches of the game. I didn't even see anything past that. And you lost your phone. And my phone's in the cab. Oh, my so gosh. So I can't figure out how to get to my phone to get to my car, which my car was in Gwinnett. Like, so, this, this, oh this, so I'm like trapped. So I, I was like kind of over my top. I'm like, all right. After this one, call my dad. I'm like, I think this is the one. This is the one. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. And he's like, "All right." And he's like, "I'm, I'm all aboard." And I was like, "Okay." I was like, first off, I'm calling you from the clubhouse phone. I need to figure out how to get my phone back because I don't know where it is." <laughs> he goes, "All right. Why did you not get your phone first before you called me?" I was like, "I was just venting to you, so I hung the phone up." Called the cab company, cab driver. He's like, "Yeah, man, I got it." Drove it back. I was like, nice. all right, maybe things are going the right way now. <laughs> and the driver drives back in my phone and uh, sat down in my apartment. And I was like, am I really doing this? Am I going to try somewhere else? And I was like, yeah. And called Alex. He was honest with me the whole time. So to be honest with him, hey, listen, you guys gave me every opportunity in the world. I want to thank you guys. I know I didn't give you guys the best results, but uh, I'm going to try somewhere else. And he goes, I respect that. If another team signs you, let me know. You know, just kind of keep me informed. And I was like, all right, I will. And clear waivers, no one claimed me. So I was like, man, again? And then uh, right after I cleared that morning, I woke up. My agent was like, you sure you want to accept your assignment and become a free agent? I was like, yes. He calls me and goes, uh, hey, the White Sox actually just offered you a major contract. And I was like, no way. He's like, yeah. He's like, you want to take it? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then Alex was like, hey. Um, you wanna, you wanna stay with the Braves right after? And I was like, now it's that don't move thing again. And I was like, I like playing in the AL East. I love it because I can get down to see my family in Florida. And uh, I was like, hmm, he's been honest with me the whole time. I've been honest with him. Let's, I'd like to stay. And signed and stayed here. Thought I was gonna get DFA in the off season because I didn't have a great last couple months. Ended up staying here and. I think I was the last guy to make it out of camp. Didn't have the best camp, but I came in like healthy. I wanted to make sure I was like just most of the time most people start out in spring training just a little slower. You kind of build up, kind of get your velocity as spring training goes because you kind of play catch off season just throw bullpens. You don't really get to face a lot of live hitters in the off season. And then it kind of like kind of eases out. But this year I was like I'm going to get ready. I'm going to face a bunch of live hitters before I go. Came into spring, felt great, didn't pitch good. Couldn't throw my off speed in the zone. Couldn't figure it out. Barely made the team out of camp. Gave a grand slam on opening day. I was like, well, if it was a sign that I wasn't supposed to make the team, that was it, you know? And all the guys, like, I was like, I was, they are, everyone was asking me, how would you feel? I know it didn't go good. I was like, listen, I feel great. I don't know if the pitches I made, like, I went back and watched them twice, maybe even ten times now. Slider down in the way I want that I got a ground ball infield single to myself that I threw in the stands. Didn't help, you know. The base hit to the six hole didn't help. And then the 97 heater down in the way for a pulled home run somehow, you know. Just made all the pitches I wanted to make. Just sometimes it doesn't work out. What well, kind of happened in San Francisco? San you Fran were made all the pitches I wanted to make. <clears throat> you did. And but then I then I had a Swarzak as a buddy of mine. We just signed. He looked mm-hmm. at me. He was watching me. I was livid. I was watching video. He sits next to me. He goes, what do you see? I said, Swarzy, I made every pitch I wanted to make. I don't know if I'm more mad about that or more mad that I should be better than that. 
And he goes, listen, at some point, in like crunch time situations, and just you have your spot you want to hit, but then you got to get even smaller. You got to get you got to get even like you want a down and away slider, and you hit your down and away spot. Maybe you have to go two inches off the plate if you're ahead in the count, or maybe you can you can see that this guy's been just cheating slider all day. Maybe it's heater in, but at that time you got to get even smaller. He's like, you got to have the swing and miss. You got to have you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, a lot of ground balls, and that sometimes they've been getting me the perfect double play. Sometimes they've been six off through the infield. And with how unbelievable our defense is, you know, it's just one of those days it's perfectly placed. Like the other day I gave a Pablo Sandoval off the end of the bat at 50 miles an hour as a base hit. But a line drive down the line that Donaldson picked for double play the other two weeks, a week before that, you know, just the fine line that baseball's the best and stupidest game in the world, you know. (laughs) Sit there and we tell ourselves in the bullpen all the time, like, guy gets punished for lining out the left center, but <laughs> he gets, breaks his bat and a flare yeah. goes over first base for a double. And you look at the books and you're like, this guy hit two doubles today. Yeah. But what's his name? Was over, Freddie was over four, but he lined out four times. Right. And you would take the guy all day, lined out four times, but. On Twitter, they would berate you for going 0 for 4, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. but the guy who was 2 for 4, two doubles, he broke his bat twice. Well, we were talking crazy. about that on the golf course the other day, shanked one in, in the woods. I'm like, man, if this is baseball, just be a foul ball, get to exactly. tee it up again. Exactly, <laughs> or you hit the one in like the that's going to like the community complex, and you're like, oh, no, and then it's like <laughs> shingle, shingle, sidewalk, fairway, and you're like, wow, yeah. beautiful, oh, 400 yeah. yards down the fairway, and you're like, how'd that work fairway out? Fairway hit. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, you uh, you come from a very athletic family, so I did want to talk a little bit about uh, – I read that your mom ran track at Louisville. Your dad was a football player at Florida State. So um, – and and you kind of grew up doing multiple sports, it seems like, that uh, what I was reading. And I was just curious, who's the real athlete in your family? <laughs> That's – yeah. Um I probably don't. I don't look athletic out there. You know, I you think do just pitching. All the, all pitching, the bullpen guys yeah. are athletic. <laughs> pitching for so long kind of does that to you. That like, kind of just keeps you. Get I got good. a hacky sack the other day for the bullpen guys to keep us on our toes. Very so nice. maybe that will help. But, nice. um, yeah. Older brother, very athletic. Younger brother, very athletic. Sister, athletic, but very short so she got the short gene out of everyone she's like 411 she's gonna get so mad that i'm saying that on her <laughs> she's she, soccer if she hears it she did she played okay. soccer in high school but she went off and did her own thing and little brother is a computer science guy it's unbelievable but he was a great athlete in high school just didn't have passion for it you know it wasn't his thing older brother played but he liked to surf and stuff like that but he ended up playing juco baseball for a bit and then went and graduated from ucf just does a bunch of different stuffs at the moment kind of entrepreneur insurance we do an esports thing bunch of different stuff and then um dad probably the most newspaper articles in the house he won't keep them <laughs> or anything but, but my grammy like kind of stores them away okay. and you got a chance to see him huh? exactly so i've seen a lot of his stuff he's probably a little bit better than me at football i wasn't very good now was he there when dion was there just State? missed him. Just missed just him missed by him. year. Because he's probably my age. Yeah, just missed him by year. Okay. Yeah, but he says he was there at like a summer, like there brought him in for the summer workout. He said he watched Dion dunk a basketball for like an hour and a half, and he said, I don't even know if I should be here. This is the most <laughs> ridiculous. My dad could dunk at the yeah. time pretty good. Some and good teams then. So I was pretty pretty impressed. But 
the height definitely comes from my mom's side of the family, and we're not even that tall. But like my dad's a little shorter, but I mean he he's a running back in high school, played soccer as well. That's kind of soccer is what I grew up playing. I didn't enjoy baseball. I think I had too much going on in my head at the time, and I was like, I can't sit out here and do this. So I was like, put me in soccer, let me run around, and then I played football because my older brother played. I was like 130 pounds. Wore number four, and my dad's like, you look way too small. So that's why I wore 22, <laughs> make my back look bigger. And then I was like, played football for a bit, was okay. Was a freshman starting on the, the varsity team solely on the fact that our our uh, starting QB, we had two starting QBs. One guy broke his ankle a week before opening day, his backup guy. Starting guy had a seizure in art class oh, Friday night. Third guy is me. I didn't even know the play. The only, I was the only guy who could ever remember the playbook, pretty much. That was the reason they put me in there. Like, Listen, you're just going to hand the ball off. Like, I couldn't. My, my dad made me wear like six pairs of socks, make my legs look even bigger because I had like chicken legs. It's embarrassing. And it's just taking care of you. Trying, trying. It was. I saw a video of myself. It looked like it's just a giant bobblehead. Like, my helmet was like this big, and my back and legs. I was like, this is that terrible. I think I handed the ball off 57 times that game. It threw. T- Threw the ball twice, but yeah. ended up starting that whole year. Went eleven and one or something like that. Wow. Threw an interception uh, to go to the regionals. Overthrew our six foot six tight end <laughs> in like a seam route right over his head. <laughs> Guy picked it, ran it back to the four with mm. a minute and thirty left. Yeah, so pretty much lost that for us. And then uh, played full. I didn't play my senior year of football, but I played all the way up too. And then uh, played soccer all the way through. Kind of thought I was going to be playing soccer in college a little bit. Wasn't great at baseball. Thought I was a shortstop. I think every pitcher thinks they were a shortstop at one point in their career. I hit like three home runs in a fall, fall our fall game going into my senior year, and I was like, "Oh, it's perfect. I'm a, I'm going to Florida State as a shortstop." I had no offer from anyone at the, <laughs> any like not even like Division four school or NAI down the street playing baseball. So I don't know what I was thinking, but I had just ended up got given ability throwing really hard. I, they moved me to the mound. My junior year they did, but I was terrible. I was just like – I was like the third guy on our team, and we were, we had 11 guys on our team, and I was a third pitcher. And then my uh, senior year, they just said, hey, listen, you're going to have to start for us. Uh, maybe like a throwing hard, give it a shot. Strucks people out early on, and they're like, all right, maybe this is the thing. And then by the end of my high school career, I was still 97. I don't know. Nothing changed. Nothing changed in my delivery. Tried to pitch like Tim Linscombe every time I went out there. Mm-hmm. It's a tough way to live. Right there. Yeah, exactly. I would jump. I was super skinny, had long hair. Tried to look just like him. Mm-hmm. That was the years like his back-to-back Cy Young. So I was like, if I can copy everything he does, yeah, I'll throw just like him. And well, you're not throwing like him now. It's no. probably a good thing. No, yeah. I'm wondering agree. how many guys tried to do that. Yeah. Oh, Trevor Bauer was one. Yeah, you know, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of people. At the, he was the best. Mm-hmm. He's the best of the best, man. I say there had to be a generation of pitchers who were trying to copy him because I remember there was a story. I think his dad would like place a was it like a dollar bill or something on the ground for yep. him to then pick That's, up on his follow through. I would even, read about it. In I would do that exact. I would try to do this. I couldn't do it. I wasn't flexible enough. But I would like I read, I would read it and I would just try to do it because I know pitching coach come to the field sleep on the mat that the pole vaulters do like pole vaulting on because mm-hmm. it's by our base. So if you had sleep, they'd be like, all right, practice start at 4.30 and wake up, walk over, <laughs> try to throw a bullpen. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, all right, let's go. I'd have like his magazine out in my in my locker. Okay, like it looks like this. It looks up. All right, like, here we go. And that's kind of how oh. I figured out how to do it. 
did you have somebody that actually started working with you? Did you come out of high school? Or you come out of college? High school. Okay. So I came out of that high school year, just throwing really hard at the end. Rangers took a shot at me. No idea where the ball was going. No idea where it was going for about two years of minor league baseball as well. Had a couple really good years in there, mixed in as a starter. People swung at some pitches. Definitely wasn't throwing a lot of strikes. Got called to the big leagues and didn't throw enough strikes. Just kind of still too like Tim Linscomb, really high front side. And when you get to that level, the zone gets so much smaller and hitters get, they know, they have track record. Oh, this guy in the minor league says 44% of strikes. Let's just sit there and watch, see if he can throw 44% strikes. And, you know, next thing you know, you get bases loaded. But Was there somebody that came alongside of you and kind of helped – or did you kind of just figure it out as you it, went? It was a bunch. It was a bunch of different people. I because I, I was. I don't know if it's your body or me who's stubborn. I think just naturally trying to change the way you've thrown your whole life is hard. It's very hard. Like when you say, "Oh, why don't you just do this?" Well, your body's been doing it for twenty-seven years. It just like if you if I move my arm down like a quarter of an inch, it feels like I'm throwing sidearm. Mm-hmm. People always say like, "Oh, why don't you just drop his arm slot?" In your head, you think you've just went like like throwing between your legs. It's <laughs> the weirdest. Right. It's the weirdest thing. Like people, so you do something for so long, and the next thing you know, you're like, okay, I'm gonna work on this. Like one off season, I remember like 2016. I said I'm gonna work on shortening my arm because it was so long. Short my arm every single day. Did drills every single day of a whole off season, three and a half months. Short, short, short. First bullpen I threw in spring training, my arm was long. Just your nat instincts take over and. So you see guys who really changed. So it was a course of just hundreds of different pitching coaches just pounding into me. Hey, maybe bring your arm down a little bit or maybe try to, instead of like leaning all the way back, maybe try to lean a little bit forward or, you know, maybe tighten your abs. You're a little over your front side or maybe try to drop your arm slot a little bit. And just, I think of everyone throwing something at a wall, some of them stuck, whether what were they said or what the words they used, you know, I've had the pleasure of having some unbelievable pitching coaches in my career and not at, I mean, the ones that you could tell are truly trying to help you, and that's almost every one of them. I feel like in baseball, that kind of been around the game, and they care about the person on the inside and care about the person on the outside. Those are the people that, I mean, I feel like I listen to a little bit more and get to know, get to know, especially a guy who's kind of up and down and just kind of call 4A player at the time for a long time or just a, a journeyman. And I was like, anyone I could talk to about just pitching, whether it's players, I mean, your biggest coaches are your your teammates, you know, they see it day in and day out. It certainly helped. Well, last question for me. I have to know who coined the, the the term or the nickname "Friendly Neighborhood Slider Man." That is one of the that's one of the best <laughs> friendly neighborhood. That he's the friendly neighborhood slider. Man. Kind of touching, and it, it, it hits home. <laughs> uh, Jesse actually Biddle. Okay. He's uh yeah he's uh we have a weird obsession i'm super nerdy i don't know if that hasn't gotten out yet thank the lord but i'm like one of the nerdiest people you ever meet and they're talking we were talking about marvel movies and marvel movies coming out and i always give people dumb nicknames because i just can't pronounce names right so i'll just kind of like read the name wrong and then people are like you even trying like are you even putting the vowels together like what are you doing like as i just see it real quick and i just kind of say it and i was just giving a bunch of people different nicknames and it's like, why don't we just give you a uh, nickname? And I was like, I don't, I don't need one. I'm not, you know what I mean? Just let me, just let me be the guy who nicknames people. Nobody <laughs> give me a nickname, you know, that kind of, that kind of game I was trying to play. And next thing you know, they're just, 
He's like, dude, the other day I went out, I think I had an outing, I threw 10 sliders, nine pitches, 10 sliders, didn't throw a fastball in the outing, and I felt really good, and I told, like, one of the guys, like, I'm going to hit 99 tonight, I feel like, arm feels good, and he went out there, and they threw all sliders, they're all making fun of me, because, like, hey, you need to throw a fastball, I was like, but I did warm up, and my warm-up pitch was harder than it's normally been, and then he was like, you're just the slider man, dude, and I was like, I mean... Yeah, I guess. But I was like, if I keep calling myself a slider man, everyone's going to think I only throw is sliders. I'm like, that's all you throw. And I was like, all right, well, slider man <laughs> it is. Slider got, man right? it is. And and then the Marvel spin on it became the neighborhood slider man. But Very nice. Yeah. yeah it's good. That's what we found out when we went. We uh, interviewed Greg Maddox at his house in Vegas over the winter meetings. Oh, and that, wow. was, that was where I discovered that uh, Greg's nickname was Harry uh, back <laughs> in the day. And it's it's – I'll just say that he was nicknamed that after some Dion and some of the guys yeah. saw him in the shower for the first time. <laughs> so that's that's all I can talk can really say about that. No, never been able to outlive that one. No, no, no. Well, somebody in the reviews for Behind the Braves referred to me as Bubba. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> no, so I, I think we need to re- nick, like yeah. rename this the the Harry and Bubba so podcast. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Ricky's dad was a NASCAR driver, so he grew up being a motor. I guess I can call you Motorhead, right? Well, that's way better than Bubba. I'll take that over. <laughs> and I like the and band Motorhead too. So, yeah. So yeah. And being from Virginia, you know, well, that's, that's the that Bubba goes part. right on right <laughs> on the bar. That's what it is. Yeah. So uh, one last question for you. I know uh, you've got to get going and get ready for the game, and um, we want to be respectful of your time. Are you kind of uh, are you a goal setting type guy? Do you feel like that when you start the year, you're trying to accomplish some things? I, I know this this is really the first year you feel like you put it together and, and you're establishing yourself as, as uh, the key guy in the bullpen, which is great. But overall, do you think you're, you're kind of a goal guy? I think you have to set goals in terms of, uh, I wouldn't say like result oriented. So like, not like, Oh, I want to, you know, finish the year with this year or finish this with this. You could set goals on like, can I throw 70% OO strikes? You know, can I, things you can control. Can I do that? Can I keep my walk rate down? Can I get ahead with, you know, can I throw off speed in the count, strikes behind the count, you know? Can I get to the field every day and do my three workouts, three workouts a week and make sure I'm on top of my running and make sure I'm on, do my arm care and all that stuff like, stuff that you can't control, like mentally keep yourself there and all this stuff. Because when you start sitting there like, hey, I want it to have one ERA and I want 100 saves and I want this and I want this and I want this. And then you give up the bloop infield single and then the ground ball that hits the bag. And then next thing you know, you give up four runs and your world's spiraling out of control because you're not going to hit your goals. You know, that's where you're like, I'm not going to take that. You know what I mean? I pitched the way I want to pitch. I'm going to go out there and every day and compete. I'm going to behind the scenes, I'm going to do the stuff I need to do. And the results will speak for themselves. Whether they're good, they're bad, I'm going to go out there and pitch the way I've been pitching and if you know if I don't get that strikeout I need or if I don't get that pop fly made or if there's an error made out there or if there's this 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 you know you can't you can't get caught up in that it's right. all about what you can control go out there and do your job and I think over the course of time eventually in the long run it'll be successful you know so sometimes it, the wave kind of dips a little bit sometimes it comes up and they always tell you, you want to be right here but sometimes you kind of want to just count the wave to keep going up and yeah I think that's kind of our whole bullpen's mindset right now. We're kind of got a lot of critics are hating on us in the early years, and we've had some swaps around different guys, but I think it's how it always is. You know, I mean, yeah. you catch fire when you're not doing good, and 
listen, it's deserving. And then when you start to put it together, people kind of like, oh, maybe the bullpen's not that bad. But then, listen, we're going to keep going out there. We're going to keep getting better. And there's going to be days where we are bad. You know what I mean? There's going to be days where we are good. I think it's the nature of the beast. They get paid too. Hitters get paid to play. People don't understand that. Like, oh, every pitcher's this good and should be this good. But now the guy at the plate's making, you know, a lot of money too. Sure. And he's trying to get – trying to – Put some food on his table. Well, let me tell you, there were years where we won the Fireman's Award as a bullpen, <laughs> and you'd never know it because 100%. every night I had to come in behind Smoltz, Glavin, Maddox, Avery, three of the four Hall of Famers. So there was a no-win situation, and we were just as good as – we were probably one of the top bullpens. It's just that those guys were so good. It's just hard. Like I said, it's a position where you just it's hard to win because you do it so much. You're pitching 70 to 80 times a, a you know, a, a season, and it's just difficult. So I I wish you uh, much short-term memory loss Always. as possible. <laughs> so um, keep it up. I know you're you guys are doing well. What I'm seeing from you guys, you're starting to gel a little bit, and it's fun to watch. Uh, I appreciate what you're doing, and uh, you know, Ricky and I, of course, being on here, we talk pitching and bullpen awesome. a lot, and it it is a difficult job because you're asked to do it so many times. And um, it's not like a hitter go one for three and you go to the Hall of Fame. You yeah, know, you can't go one for three uh-huh. for saves, right? Um, so it is tough, but we 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 see the results. But that's a good point where you know that it comes from the right perspective. You know, you're just trying to do what you know you can do, and then the results will take care of themselves. And they're doing that this year. So congratulations on that, and and we uh, we hope you keep it up and and that's going to be a key thing for this team being successful. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you guys. All right, we appreciate it, Luke. Thank you. All yeah, right. always. Our thanks again to Braves relief pitcher Luke Jackson for joining us here on Behind the Braves and also to Braves Media Relations, the fine folks in that department, for helping set that up along with you. We very much appreciate the, all the hard work that they do and, of course, Luke for giving us the time. I I think I referenced it when we were talking to Luke. It's easy as a fan to just see players on your team as just, well, they're getting sent down or brought back up. and Not that you don't see them as people, but they you kind of maybe lose a little bit of the human element there when you're just viewing them just as a baseball player on your team. I think this is a big part of the reason why we started behind the Braves and why I think people enjoy it is we're getting to know these guys as people. And I feel like in that 30, 35 minutes there with Luke, we kind of got to know a little bit and just to veer into a little bit at, at Luke Jackson, the person. And I, for me anyways, it makes me want to root for these guys that much more. Not that I wouldn't before, but man, once you see the human being that's there and how hard they've worked to get to this point, it really, really makes you want to root that much harder for them. Yeah, I I agree. It's always great to see somebody turn it around, right? Mm -hmm. We always, whether it's the underdog or somebody who's struggled, and then all of a sudden they've just found a way to put it together. And and I'm sure many of us have looked at Luke over the last couple years and like, ah, man, he just just he's not getting it. You know, find somebody else to do it, and and um, you know the bullpen is. It's been kind of an ongoing struggle, it seems like, over the last few years and never really had anybody take charge. And um, so it's been great to see him kind of rise above everybody else. You know, and there's been some other guys that have pitched well in the bullpen, but Luke really, you can point to him as been the one that's kind of 
risen above everybody else to take charge and become that closer that we so desperately needed. You need that anchor down there. Even me as a fan, it's just like once you kind of have that anchor at the end that stabilizes everything, it's like, okay, now we can start to – the rest of the pieces can kind of fall in place and behind them. I mean, I think the best – the best bullpens that we've seen here and elsewhere, the ones where, kind of, where guys settle in and have defined roles. And that probably speaks a little bit to what you were talking about in the intro with it's already hard enough being a relief pitcher, not knowing when you're going to pitch. At least if you know you're going to be in a high leverage situation at the end of the game. Or if you're generally going to be, you know, Bobby Cox would famously get guys that is a seventh inning, eighth inning, ninth inning guy. Once you kind of have that established, at least you know – I would think, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but I would at least you kind of have a better sense of like, okay, it's, I'm probably going to pitch tonight if everything keeps going this way. You at least have a little bit of time to prepare so it's not completely just the sudden phone call and then having to flip into that mode automatically. Well, the good thing for me back then is that I didn't have to start worrying about things till about the seventh or eighth inning because that's when, you know, guys like, you know, Glavin and Maddox and Smoltz, they, they were going at least seven innings. Right. Because you didn't get a quality start unless you went seven. Nowadays, I think it's six, but back then it was seven. So that means that very, very rarely were they ever out before that. So that means you just had to worry about the eighth and ninth. And if we were tied or ahead, I was going in. And that was just kind of the way things, the way things were. But what that allowed you to do mentally was be prepared and kind of expecting that was going to happen. And so that, that provided a rhythm in and of itself. We were always in every game. We were always winning games, so the game was always close, which means that you were preparing to pitch every night. Nowadays, it seems like that with the starters only going five and six innings, that more guys are in that variable, which can be good, but also you don't necessarily know whether you're pitching the sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth, and um, and you got to bring more guys into that. But it's just been good to see the bullpen settle down some people take a hold of roles, you know, Luke closing and, and Webb and, and some of these guys that have said, okay, I'm, I'm going to take – I want this spot, and they're coming in. But think about between now and this time last year, how many different relievers we've gone through, um, but, you know, over the course of just one year. It's been a lot of people have been shuffled up and, up and down and sideways and released and, right. you know, um, traded. And we've had and, – and even the – the, the the cast that we have right now is almost completely different than what we had last year. I mean, it's, Luke, it's pretty Luke was up and down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but you think about three three or four of the main guys that we have, it, it's changed a lot. So I think front office, you know, Alex, they're really working it. They know that this is an issue. And, um, and then I think they've got a good combo in there right now, and the guys are pitching well. We just want them to keep doing it. The starters are obviously doing their job. They're doing – they're pitching lights out. So the bullpen stepping up, and that's why we're winning more ball games. What are we five games over, five hundred now, four games, something like that? And we're game as we're sitting here taping this, we're a game and a half out of first. Yeah, you know we're right there in it, right there in the mix. And I don't have put any stock in power rankings because they literally don't mean anything. But for what, if you pay attention to those things or you care about them, MLB put out their power rankings, and we're in the top ten in mm-hmm. baseball. I think we're eighth this week. Yeah. Point, the point there is, if you do want to put any stock in that, is we're a good ball club. We're a good yeah. team. We're playing well. We're two months into the season yeah. now. This is a good team. And it's not about our lineup. Our lineup's been good all year. Right. Our defense has been good all year. It's just the evolution of the starters between Freed and Soroka taking charge of those first two spots 
and then the bullpen kind of coming into its own. To me, that's been the big the big difference over the last two months. It's been huge. Luke establishing himself. You mentioned Webb. Nuke getting sent yeah, back down. that's right. Coming back up and, for the most part, thriving in the relief role. Pitching really well. Throwing strikes look, has looked great for the most part. So seeing those guys, seeing those parts and pieces kind of come together, I think that's been, uh, to your point, it's been huge. It's been huge. Well, t- speaking of huge, I want to know who we got for Alumni Sunday this weekend. We're back home. Yeah. Uh, at SunTrust Park this week. So who's who's going to be here Sunday? Yeah, we got a good Sunday here coming up. Uh, Felix Mion, uh, one of the All-Stars back in the 60s and 70s. Nice. Uh, Felix came back last year for the first time, so he'll be here again. We got Gary Matthews, former All-Star, played with Horner and, and um, Murphy and those guys back in the 70s. And then uh, Marty Perez, who also played nice. back in the 70s. So we got a, kind of a, got a nostalgic group. This week, looking forward to hanging with those guys. They'll be here Sunday from uh, 11.30 to 12.30 doing autographs out in the plaza at the Georgia Power Pavilion. So come join us. Very cool, very cool. And if and keep checking the promotional schedule to see what Mr. McMichael here lines up for you every Alumni Sunday. It's really cool what he's been doing. Kind of, generally speaking, each Sunday kind of has a theme to it or an era theme to it, and it's been really, really fun. What was the one a few weeks ago? You had Chris Medlin, Dan Ugla, yeah. Kelly Johnson, mm-hmm. and now you've those got are our young guys. Yeah, so yeah, our, young, had, our young alumni. You had the pups <laughs> of the alumni. Yeah, and That's so right. now you've got guys from the '60s and '70s. It's really cool. You can come out and meet guys from different eras of, of Braves baseball, and I highly encourage you. When I before I was working in baseball and I was coming to games as a fan, we always we were in line every Sunday for Alumni Sunday just to just to meet a couple of the former guys and get an autograph or get a picture, or just to shake a hand. That was always a thrill for me as a fan. And I highly encourage everybody to come out and do yeah. that. So, and I also highly encourage you to keep reviewing, rating and subscribing behind the Braves iTunes. We're on Spotify, we're on Google play. Keep leaving those reviews, the good and the bad. Again, we're, we're reading them all and the bad ones we take seriously. And we try to, uh, you know, adjust things and get better based on those. Luckily for us, they've been overwhelmingly positive. So we very much appreciate all of those. Keep doing that. Keep telling a friend. Tweet about us. Share it on your Instagram story. Whatever social media platform you're on, go ahead and share it there. We very much appreciate it. So for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next week on Behind the Braves. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons 
of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 